Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away, no minimum listener- listenership. Start getting that Anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. And Oklahoma is definitely sugar sweet. A two-touchdown underdog wins by two touchdowns over the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Hello and welcome to the Orange Bowl edition of the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard, here with my co-host, Jameson Maxwell, and it's finally here. No more waiting. It's the Orange Bowl. We're getting ready to go. Jameson, are you excited? I mean, of course you are. Yeah, of course I'm excited. It's weird because this is the first playoff game I haven't gone to for the Sooners. But you know what? If you're a superstitious person, that should be a good thing because we're 0-2 while I've been in attendance. Yeah, well, that's true. But And also Miami is just like a haunted place. So it's a bad thing if you're superstitious because I've not seen us win um, anything in Miami in the multiple times I've been there, but that's, yeah, let's you know, not even bring that up about your bad track record in Miami. Let's just act like that's not a thing and yeah, keep our optimism high for this weekend. Hey, I'm all, I'm all on team blame Jameson. So okay, I'm cool let's with do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm kidding. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it works. It works. But yeah, it, it, someone needs to be a martyr and uh, I'm okay with you being the martyr. <laughs> I'm fine with me if it comes Saturday, but I guess if we, uh, if we lose, then I'm not the martyr after all. Yeah, true. Then I guess it is me. Anyway, so it's been a long wait. Obviously, this I feel like this break has been unusually long, even though it's actually the game's kind of coming sooner than it usually does. But um, we're finally getting some answers to some questions about uh, injury status, mainly Hollywood Brown. Um, we're recording this on the Wednesday. They're, I think OU's practicing actually right now. Um, and Hollywood has kind of gone through some stuff, and it looks like he's doing pretty well. What do you think? Yeah, I watched the videos. He kind of looks like he's jogging. Uh, there's no full-speed drills, especially there's not going to be any full-speed drills that they'll put on camera. But I wouldn't expect him to go through full speed. Whenever I'm looking at his ankle injury and kind of the uh, the shade over it, and they're not telling us, the gr- it's, there's three grades of ankle sprains. And it's a grade one is two to four weeks in recovery. If, that was a, if it was a grade one, he had been fine, and we would not have been worrying about his game status. Unless... Lincoln is really, truly not going to tell us anything. But what makes me think it is, is grade two, which is a four to six week recovery time. And the 29th is four weeks from the time he got injured. So that'd make it where he actually would be kind of a questionable for that game. It would actually make sense for the timeline. A grade two sprain is kind of a partial tear in the ligaments around your ankle. So it's not considered a tear, but there is some kind of... um, recovery that those ligaments have to do to fully heal and um that's kind of what i get the sense out of it it's not a grade three he would have been out grade three is a full tear uh grade one he'd been fine 
Uh, that I mean, everyone says he's going to play. People say uh, there's no way he's going to play that close to his home. I mean, no way he's not going to play close to his hometown. Uh, people have seen him walking around. Uh, I feel very optimistic for him. He's not going to be 100%. I, I'm not on that boat, but he's definitely going to play. Yeah, and the report I really heard, it, I, I don't know how <laughs> how reasonable it is, but apparently he was at Kong's the day uh, he got it injured right after the Texas uh, B, um, Big 12 championship, and he was walking around without a boot, without crutches, and uh, shout out to my guy, Joey Chindra. I walked over to him and was like, hey, uh, Hollywood, are you going to be okay for the game? And he goes, yeah. So that official report right there from Kong's, uh, his response was, yeah. So Yeah, everyone you ask who says he's going to play, every, all the insiders say, yes, he's going to play. Are you going to be fine? Yeah, you're going to be fine. Uh, but 100% isn't fine. I kind of, the way I'm looking at it is Tua's ankle and Hollywood's ankle, they're very different conditions because Tua had to have a procedure done while Hollywood did it. But I feel like it's going to be kind of, they're both in that, Tua came out and said he's 80 to 85%. That's probably what I expect Hollywood to be right now. Yeah, and if you, and, and I think um, Hollywood wasn't even really 100% kind of towards the back end of the season. He had that kind of hamstring injury, didn't really look as fast as he had been. So I think if you also think about that, I'm sure he's also had some health time to improve health health wise on that. Um, Trey Sermon came out today, also said he's feeling 100 percent for the first time since TCU. That's pretty big. Yeah, I, I really like that because the Lincoln Riley's letting his player and Trey come out to kind of relieve the nerves of all the OU fans saying he's 100 percent because Alabama is going to prepare for him like he's 100 percent. But with Hollywood, they're going to also prepare for him like he's 100%. And the threat of having Hollywood on the field of the safeties and the deep threat is key in our offense that we're not going to release anything on his injury. If we kind of sprinkle in some, oh, he's going to play kind of stuff, where instead of saying, oh, he might be limited, then we'll kind of have that threat where we open up C.D. Lamb and Calcaterra on the other side of the ball. Exactly. I, I, the OU run, the only OU passing game has so many options. I feel like a lot of people key in on Hollywood Brown because of the nickname, because of the speed, and you know, rightfully so. He's a great he's a great receiver, but the OU passing game is so is so I don't know what what's the word I'm looking for. It's it's so versatile that I don't really know if you can say that Hollywood Brown is the end all be all. But he's so key to opening up not just the passing game but also the running game because you got you got to respect. You know, you got you got to respect the deep ball at all times. Um, looking at another kind of injury point, I guess uh, <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray um, for the second straight year, our quarterback has fallen ill. Um, so let's let's uh, put on the little tinfoil hats here and try to figure out what happened here. Jameson, what's your best theory on it? I mean, you make the joke that you thought he had a night in Miami and he's hungover. That's a bunch of baloney. That's just a funny laugh. What I think it is is probably just a head cold. It's probably just probably sinusitis um, allergies, especially when you travel. Most people get sick when they travel because it's a change of setting, and especially in this time of year, allergies are flaring up. So he probably has some drainage, probably has a couple of headaches. He's probably fine to go. This is not like Baker's thing, hopefully. Baker had the flu, um, and that's and that sent him out for like a week or so, and he was in that had the body aches and everything that went with it. But if this is like a sinusitis kind of thing, he's not going to have any of the body aches. It's just going to be uncomfortable, like a bad day with allergies. 
and he'll be good to go. I, I feel very optimistic that this isn't something to worry about. We shouldn't be drawing parallels to Baker. Well, yeah, but also think about it. This is the second year we played an SEC team. I don't know. Maybe maybe these uh, SEC fans, you know, they, they like to poison trees. Maybe they're out here poisoning quarterbacks. I mean, if they're really that scared of us, I thought SEC people had kind of a they they thought that their defense is so good it doesn't even matter who they play against. I wouldn't. I don't get the sense that they'd be even scared of us. So well, I, I I don't get that. They they seem a little too cocky to have to poison. Well, according to that guy from Red Bay, Red Bay, Alabama, uh, Kyler wouldn't even uh, start on. Uh, 11 of the 14 SEC teams. <laughs> that is very true. You have to take into account the wonderful quarterbacks of Arkansas and Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is one of the teams he said that they wouldn't start on would be uh, LSU because he didn't like Joe Burrow. And I'm like, well, okay, come on, what? Yeah, no, that made no sense. I mean, like, okay, you can – I mean, Kyler's better than all of them. But, I mean, if you're talking good quarterbacks in the SEC, you have to bring up Joe Burrow's name. Like, I don't know. That that was that was a funny call. It, listening to all the fine bomb callers, I've always really enjoyed that. That's the one good part about playing SEC teams is you get you for a little bit you get to step into the madness of, you know, their world where they think they're unbeatable, including the Arkansas of the universe who feel like they're a step away from national title. It just it's really fun just to kind of take a peek in that and as an outsider looking in, it's hilarious to me because I don't I think the SEC probably is the best conference in college football, but I don't think it's cut and dry, like the easily the best like uh, conference top to bottom. I think it's kind of, get kind of watered down towards the end. Yeah, I feel like this year was very, a really, really weird year when it comes down to evaluating conferences. There's a lot, a lot of top heaviness in the college football this year. A lot of really good teams, and then just everyone in the middle was kind of bogged down. You saw that a lot in the ACC, like a lot. ACC was really bad. Big Big Ten, a lot of their teams that they thought were going to be stout and up to the top, the big kind of argument between the SEC is the SEC and the Big Ten. Big Ten lost their argument with teams like Wisconsin and Michigan State having really down years. Um, I really, I don't think this is a good year to kind of argue conferences. it's it's really a tough argument because it's kind of comparing apples and oranges. Uh, it's every conference is going to be different. And it's really hard to evaluate because there's very little kind of common points of common opponents and everything. So uh, I think I think it's going to be a really interesting playoff because I there's no really favorite. I feel like all even the Notre Dame people think that there's a chance to all four teams that have a chance to win this championship. I I kind of agree. I think I think Alabama is a tad overrated. Um, I, I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I think they're probably the best team in college football. But I think this whole idea that they're this unbeatable machine that can't be stopped this year because they have Tua is a little a little false. And we saw that towards the end of the year where they tripped up to teams like – I mean, they, they struggled with the Citadel. That was probably just they didn't care. Um, I don't, you you kind of saw that offense kind of slow down a bit. Obviously, the Georgia game, they looked more – not not just vulnerable. They looked like they should have lost that one. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think OU has a big opportunity here, and I think um, I think one thing about Alabama is they've already played their trump card of we have another quarterback that we could play, and then we'll switch it up on you. It, it yeah. bit Georgia twice, and now I guarantee you that Lincoln Riley has done prep for Jalen Hurts just in case. To be completely honest with you, Bobby, my reason of saying that Alabama isn't this dominant team that's a for sure winner is because of Tua. It's because he's not 100%. If he was 100%, I'd feel very confident. 
I'm not the biggest fan of Jalen Hurts. I thought Alabama the past couple of years has been vulnerable to lose to Clemson because of a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has done really well in certain points, but Jalen Hurts was ready to lose that game versus Georgia last year. Jalen Hurts lost a game to Clemson. So if it wasn't for Tua saving it, what would it be? He lost two of his three championships? That's uh, true. I mean, I mean, I guess it's kind of a similar, I mean, very, very poor um, thing here, but it's kind of similar to the LeBron argument where you're saying his record, he made, he did really good at making it to the finals, but he didn't finish. Uh, Jalen Hurts is not the leader of his team like LeBron is, but it could have been a completely different scenario if Tua didn't come in last year and save Jalen Hurts' ass. Yeah, because they would be pointing to quarterback play as the issue that was keeping Alabama from winning a title, which... I, I mean, I wouldn't say Hertz was a hindrance before, at least until they got into big games. But the guy, the guy clearly is not not a Heisman level guy. And I think I think this game he had against Georgia, like really kind of it's it's led us to have some revisionist history narratives on how what 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 he was like as a as a quarterback when he was starting. I completely agree. It's a lot of recency bias that we just saw how he did versus Georgia at the very end. He had two drives. One of them, he had really good field position because a horrible fake punt. And the other one was just your basic touchdown drive. I feel like we we cannot judge this guy as some kind of savior just because he came in for two drives. It was amazing. Do not get me wrong. But I never was the biggest fan of Jalen Hurts' game. I never thought he took Alabama to the next level whenever he was in. I feel like he was very good at getting the job done. But whenever it came down to big games, that dominance that Alabama had had, they couldn't put it over the edge and dominate the really, really good teams because their quarterback was only average. And college football is a team that, I mean, is a game that requires really good football play from the quarterback. I would agree with that. Um, and that's, especially college football now, you really need a guy who can sling the ball, get get your ball, get not, not just get the ball to, your, to the receivers that, you know, Alabama has, and they've been one of the best receiving um, programs in the country. But you also have to just make, you have to make things happen with, you know, with your legs and um, not just, not just be good enough, be, be spectacular, making the right reads and really, you know, being, being a Heisman level guy is just so crucial. And that's what kind of, that's what Tua is. Um, anyways, let's dive into Alabama a little bit. What's your number one worry going into this game? Uh, yeah, my number one worry is Kyler turning the ball over. Like I've said in all of our big games, uh, those turnovers that he's had versus Texas Tech almost screwed us. The turnovers that he had versus Texas, um, his fumble and his interception, those are big. You cannot, this game, if we want to win, we have to have a complete perfect slate on offense. While you think that's easy on the surface, it's it, Kyler's had some trouble having games in the big time performances where he doesn't turn it over. Uh, they have some really good players on the defense side of the ball, even though they don't get that much hype this year. Um, and, you know, everyone knows the name of Quinn and Williams, but two guys I want um, to keep an eye on. Mac Wilson, the linebacker, he's going to be a tackling machine. He's on the inside. Uh, he, you just hear his name a lot. I don't think he'll be a big play guy, but if anyone's going to make a big play on the defense and make a game change thing, I think it's a kid named Deontay Thompson. It's their safety. He's a projected first-rounder, just like Quinn and Williams and Mac Wilson. Uh, I think he's definitely um, a candidate to get one of those Kyler interceptions that can definitely turn the game. Yeah, I I kind of agree with it, with you on that. I feel like we've looked at OU's offense through obviously crimson colored glasses where it's unstoppable. 
as we as a as a group of people, we've been calling this out since since the Texas game. Um, because I, I agree. I think I think Kyler kind of could throw to spots at times, and I think that Alabama def- has definitely taken note of it. Um, Kyler's going to have to play perfect. He's going to have to avoid throwing the ball into just kind of into his into a spot when he gets when he gets you know um, when he gets pressured. He's going to need to be composed. He's going to need to it. The only, he he can't throw the ball unless he sees the guy there and knows like that's you know that's it you know. Yeah, I agree. My take on it is I feel like Kyler's going to have to win this game with his arm. I don't feel there's going to be that many breakthrough runs that you've seen, even though the stigma against Alabama is they're bad versus mobile quarterbacks. I think it's kind of unfair to um, say just because they were bad in 2014 means they're going to be bad in 2018. I don't I don't think that's fair. Uh, but I think he needs to win with the, with his arm. There's not going to be big breakaway runs like we had in Texas game, the Army game the savior kind of things because they've got really good four-star, five-star guys around their whole defense that people are going to be in the right spots and making plays. He's not going to he, – he will out-athletic uh, some people just because he's a crazy athlete, but it's not going to be where he looks like he's running next to little boys. Of course, and I, I think I think the point about the breakaway runs is definitely true. I don't think we'll see one of those. However, I do think he will get some stuff on the ground. Alabama hasn't really played a lot of running quarterbacks this year. The only one I can really think of is Kellen Mount uh, from Texas A&M. Does the Mississippi and State guy run a little bit, Fitzgerald? I was thinking I, about that today. I barely watched any Mississippi State, to be honest. That was a team I completely forgot about. But in the in the one matchup that I know they uh, had a, had faced against the Russian quarterback, against Kellen Mount, he had 18 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown, including a 54-yard run. So this Bama defense... And not only that, Kellen Mound isn't even that fast. So this isn't this isn't he. This is they they played the they played the uh, Chinese counterfeit version, and they still kind of bled out to him a little bit. Um, I think this is going to be. I think the running game is going to be a huge issue for Alabama uh, when it comes to the passing. But for me, my biggest worry going into this into this game has to be the Alabama receivers. Absolutely, the most dangerous part of their offense. With all respect to Atunga Bailoa, um, it's these receivers. Jerry Judy, uh, the Blitnikoff winner, obviously is pretty pretty incredible. But I'm really afraid of this uh, Waddle kid. I, we're a last name podcast, so I think his first name's Eric. But it's I'm just J- kind of guessing there. Waddle. Jalen. Why did I go with Eric? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Weddle. That's where it came from. Yeah. I was thinking, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Jalen Waddle was a uh, OU OU uh, target back in 2017. Didn't obviously work out. The guy is one of the fastest fastest uh, receivers I've seen in a while. He's kind of there uh, in terms of speed. They're kind of Hollywood type of guy. Um, if they get out in the get in the open space, I do not have any confidence in Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, anyone trying to stop this guy. Oh yeah, uh, but. Whenever we've talked about wide receivers the whole year, uh, we've always kind of set a mark at six foot four. These are the guys to worry. These are the guys that have killed us. And the one guy that hasn't fit uh, that mold is Tylen Wallace, the should be Belindikoff winner out of Oklahoma State. And you look at the heights of the three wide receivers for Alabama. You got Ruggs at six foot, Waddle at five ten, Judy at six one. These kids are studs. They're really really good. But at least we're not going to get beat over the top. Are they going to outrun Trey Norwood and Trey Brown and Motley? Most likely. I would not be surprised at all. And I actually, I'm expecting that we're going to put Norwood at that safety position again. We're going to have Motley 
and uh, Brown out there. I think they're going to try to bully Motley as much as they can because when it comes down to um, throwing to the big guys, uh, they really kind of win at Trey Brown. But whenever you have speed, you can run right past Motley. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if uh, they put Motley on Judy and he has a bad time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think anyone would have a bad time against is going to have a bad time against Judy, but Motley. I don't know. I, I think I think it's it's going to be just such an interesting uh, dynamic because whenever you have big bowl layovers, things always change. The team that comes back after you know the several weeks from uh, being gone always looks different to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never want to play a Nick Saban team after a long layoff, um, but also I don't think you want to play a Lincoln Riley team after a long layoff because if you think about the offense, like we're talking, if you think about the offensive end of it. They've been cooking some stuff up. They always get real creative and real cute after uh, after this layoff uh, offensively. You saw it in the Rose Bowl game. They had some just incredibly incredible schemes against uh, against Georgia. Kind of you know sputtered out towards the end. But I think this. I think OU's offense um, getting creative is is going to be a big uh, benefit against Alabama. Absolutely, I think Lincoln Lincoln is such a young coach. This is his second year as a head coach, and he's learned from his mistake last year that he's got to keep his foot on the gas with these creative schemes. He cannot be, even though we're up on Georgia in the second half, you cannot just hold back and save your stuff for the next game. You've got to win this one then figure it out after. Uh, and I think uh, we'll see that a lot this game. I think, there, like you said, there's going to be a lot of more creative things. I, I'm not saying there's going to be a bunch of flea flickers and double reverses and stuff. I think there's just going to be some really good schemes, and I don't think we're going to be complacent if somehow we do get the lead in that first half. Uh, one thing though, when looking at um, Alabama's offense, uh, my player to watch, your player to watch, I guess is Waddle. My player to watch is Josh Jacobs running back out of Tulsa McLean high school. Uh, not that good of a recruit, but gets recruited by Nick Saban goes there and he's just transformed into this great guy. Perfect for their scheme. And it just, the, the story makes too much sense the storyline where he comes in, plays against Oklahoma, and just whoops on us, especially in a game where their quarterback isn't 100%. I don't think the passing attack, I think two is going to have 200, close to 300 yards, but I don't think it's going to be dominant. I think the running game is what's really going to give us some trouble. Josh Jacobs isn't a workhorse. He doesn't get the ball every time. I think they got like Najee Harris is one guy, and then uh, another really good running back. I can't remember his name, but Jacobs is a guy I'm really scared of, and I feel like he might get a couple touchdowns on us. Yeah, the running game of Alabama is something we haven't really talked about. Like pretty much nobody's talked about because everyone's obsessed with Tua and Judy. But the thing is that that running game is still very, very dangerous, especially behind that offensive line of theirs. Definitely one of the best in the country. Probably, I would say it was probably a coin flip between our guys and their guys for the uh, best O line in the country. Um, but that's that's going to be a hard. hard it's going to be a hard day for uh, for our for our linebacking core. With I, I bet you probably see a lot of Caleb Kelly. I bet you see well, obviously you know Kenneth Murray and Curtis Bolton. But I think it's going to be a hard day for all three of those guys. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think we'll see a lot of Kelly? Yeah, I my kind of ex- expectation is we're going to keep our offense similar to how we played versus Texas. Uh, Tua is more of an air raid threat than Ellinger, but with him hurt, I feel like we're going to be more keying in on pressure schemes and stopping the run and daring Tua. Uh, I know that's extremely risky to say, 
But if I was in that position, I'd I'd say, okay, Tua, I want an 80% person to beat me. And if that happens, oh well. Uh, if that 4-3 worked really well, then Norwood as a safety looked really well. Caleb Kelly made a bunch of big plays. Uh, I, I think that's going to work the best for us. Uh, I don't know. Do you think about the same, Bobby? Yeah, I think I think I think you're all over it. Um, OU knows that they don't have a good defense. The defense knows they're not good. However, you know what they're go- what they are good at? They're good at getting turnovers at key moments, and they're good at whenever they play aggressive. Whenever they put that foot on the gas pedal, I feel like that is that's what's gonna what's going to change the game. That's what's won us our big games. We sure we give up a boat ton of ton of, ton of yards, but it's about flipping the script, the, the flipping the script and changing some stuff. And I, I could see OU just going kind of balls to the wall and blitzing a lot and, you know, taking some risks, getting burnt over the top. That's, you know what? We're going to get burnt anyways. That's exactly what I said my key to the game is ascending pressure. Like I said, like you said, if they're going to score on us the majority of times, we're in this mindset where we need to have a perfect game on offense. We need to score almost every single time and hope they trip up a couple times. If they score within 20 seconds, great. Our defense isn't going to be tired on the next drive. We're going to send pressure. We're going to go after a guy with a quarterback who has a bad ankle. I don't expect him to be rolling out, making a bunch of plays. I expect a bunch of five-step drop passes. I expect a lot of runs up the middle. Very simple stuff. And I feel like Alabama thinks they can win that way. I honestly think that they think so little of the defense, which they should. It's a simple, simple offense where you don't have to move your quarterback much around keep them healthy is a way they can win. And our counter to that is you send pressure, you send your linebackers, you play Caleb Kelly in a 4-3 scheme, and hopefully, like that West Virginia game, we get a couple turnovers. Yeah, we're we're not going to win this game because because we we stop Alabama four or five times because that's just not going to happen. So what we need is is just one or two times where we can just – where we can stop them. And I think a lot. I think the best way to do that is to you know cause some havoc, go crazy, get get aggressive. Yeah, there's um, there's no hurting in trying that. Uh, like like I said, just hey, if they score, so be it. We got our offense back on. We just keep that perfect going. Uh, do you want to go into predictions? Yeah, let's dive on in a little bit. Um, Jameson, I mean, we both. I I know we both kind of have differing opinions on this, and I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, it seems like. But what do, what do you think uh, score wise for this game? Yeah, uh, I think I think we'll cover. I, I my kind of game uh, idea of what's going to happen. I I think you could, this could be very similar to what the Georgia game was. I don't think it's going to go into overtime. I don't think it's going the fourth quarters. I, I think the key dif- difference in the, th- the second half. Uh, I could see us having the lead at halftime. I really could, um, and then just kind of everything falling apart. I got us losing 41 to 34 covering the 14 point spread, but this game being a very entertaining one, but a very frustrating one. Uh, like I said, I think Josh Jacobs gets two or three touchdowns and the big guy would say, why didn't we recruit him kind of thing? Yeah, of course. And I think this is going to be, I agree. I think it's going to be a stressful game. I think it's going to be very back and forth. Um, but ultimately, I don't know. i I just have this very weird feeling that he's going to pull this one out. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be an all-time classic. Um, and not only that, I think I think that Austin Seibert hits a game-winning field goal. Oh, my goodness. He was disrespected today at the press conference table. No one wanted to talk to him. And you know what? I think he bangs in the game-winning field goal after um, 
OU gets good. OU will get good field position after a uh, after a crucial turnover, and somehow Cybert like bangs in a field goal to win the game. So you're saying That's- Alabama is going for a last second drive and they turn it over, and then OU kicks the field goal. Yeah, it sounds wild, but I'm going OU 45, Alabama 42. Oh my goodness gracious. I know, wouldn't well, that be something? Bobby, you got your gooner flying in you right now. It's just coming out on all edges. I'm, I've gone full gooner mode here. This is, because the, because here's the thing. OU winning this game makes no sense on paper at all. Just like my explanation makes no sense on paper. How is that I just for you this season that whenever you go, doesn't make any sense, but screw it, I'll do it. I'm I'm going full sin, man. Like, why not? This is the last. This might be the last go around for me as a as a student. And honestly, I just don't want to pick Alabama. Why would yeah, I pick? Sure. I know, I know. I mean, I I can definitely see us winning more. I I give us more of a chance of winning than most experts do because Agreed. I I see that there is a shot with Kyler playing a perfect game. There there's no other way. Our offense has to play perfect. No turnovers. Zero turnovers. Even if we get zero turnovers, I'm not guaranteeing us a win. If we get zero turnovers and then we win the turnover battle and get a couple on the other end, like you said, there's definitely a chance. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting, though. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Alabama have to score every possession, too. Yeah, I, or, I, I'll put it at this. I'll say if we win the turnover battle by two, I, I say that it's a 50-50 shot we win. Yeah, because OU, OU has to, yeah, like you said, they don't have to turn, they just don't turn the ball over and they have to score every time. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty high odds. But yeah. if, if Alabama gets into, a, you know, a scoring frenzy, I don't know how they'll handle that. They, they don't really play that way. Um, it's going to be interesting. And especially if it's on the field quick, back and forth for two, a long drive, two is back on the field. This guy's been hurt 80, 85%. Uh, Maybe he doesn't have the stamina to play that kind of game. So that is yeah. definitely something to be interested in. I cannot wait for Saturday. I'm so proud of you that you're making the 24-hour drive, Bobby. Oh yes, I am. Uh, oh, I'm not looking forward to it, but you know what? I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm excited to. I don't know. I'm, I, it is a journey that everyone must make. Apparently, I guess. Um, so I know that I should never drive 20 hours to a place ever again. You had it. It seems like you had a pretty I did, rough I go. I did it two years in a row. Drive 20 hours to a place. It it, it it's horrible. But it's, you you have this. You know, I have this place in my heart for those drives that I'll never forget. It's the wonderful moments of driving back after a loss and everyone smells like ass in your car and. And it's just no one has showered, and you decided to go to South Beach before you left, and we already checked out of our hotel room. So it was oh, just man. 24 hours of sweat and sand all the way home. Oh, dude, that's that's see, you're doing it a little rougher than we are. We're uh, we're driving to Pensacola tomorrow, staying at night in Pensacola, and then driving to Miami, yeah, for, uh, like the day before. That's and what then, the same um, people do. Yeah, we're we're doing it a little a little more same, less less balls to the wall. But um, and then on the way back, we're stopping in Tallahassee for some reason. So that should be fun, I oh. guess. Well, hopefully you don't see Justin Fields there. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not, because if he did, he would have clearly lost his mind. Because there's there that would make no sense to. I just don't understand the appeal of that Florida State team. That it's just that program is going to be a mess for a while, and I think we're seeing the tip of the iceberg of it. Absolutely, and with the Justin Fields as an aside thing, he's not going to go to Florida State. It's between Ohio State and OU, and I I, I woke I was I stayed up kind of late last night. 
And I was just kind of sitting in bed thinking, and I had to get up and I wrote this down because it made too much sense from what all these reports I'm hearing. The first reports that came out with Justin Fields saying that OU's front runner and makes the most sense because Jaden Hazelwood is most likely, I'm pretty damn confident he's committing to us on the fifth. And they want to play together, right? And then Ohio State news came out and they said that he's the front runner for the, like the front runner for there because Days, the quarterback whisper, all this stuff. And they said it's as close to a deal as done. So they're saying. And I read the reports on OU, and they wouldn't say much about it. But from my sense, it kind of got where it was like we don't really have we haven't really talked to him much because we're kind of in this. I'm not going to do anything next season. I'm not going to do defensive coordinator stuff. I'm not going to do any kind of transfer stuff. Yeah, we're busy. We're in the playoffs. Yeah, until we're done with this playoff. It's all business right now. And then, but I thought, I was like, at least we'd at least say something to him. Like, hey, hold on. We're like, we really want you to just, we'll get into it later. But I feel like we really haven't said anything. And we say, oh, he'd be great to come to OU because he's a transfer quarterback. But he's wishing to have immediate play. And I, I've been a really big thing for Lincoln Riley's offense these Baker and uh, Kyler are very, very good players, but I think Lincoln Riley's offense is what puts them into a Heisman. I think Lincoln is very adamant that he wants guys that have been in his system for a while. I think that's why he kind of is, is leaning towards Austin Kendall here and, and really isn't wanting a quarterback that could transfer in and immediately play and kind of break up that system. I know it's crazy to say because Justin Fields would create a so much better team than with Austin Kendall, but Lincoln likes his system. He wants to keep running it, and if a guy comes in late and de- only gets an off season to learn it, rather than Kyler had a full season under Baker to learn it, and Baker came in had a full season to learn it before he came in, it, it just it, the math makes too much sense on that. Yeah, Kyler had two full seasons because yeah. he had the year where he had to where he had to sit out, and then he had the year under Baker where you know he kind of played a little bit. He randomly would pop into the Ohio State game, stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's. They had years to learn the system. Lincoln's system is something that's been highly sought after by all these NFL coaches. And and it's extremely valuable. And and it's not like you can put your finger on and say, this is the thing that he does well. No, he just creates a beautiful offense. And Justin Fields would create that by his athleticism. But I feel like it would be more on the player than on the coach. I'm telling I just get this sense that Fields is going to Ohio State because we don't want him that much. And it's really, really crappy to hear. I mean, I hate to hear that because it'd be some, we have the potential to do something special, but it's kind of a risky move that I think that Lincoln's not willing to take. Yeah, and I understand that. Um, I, can, I can definitely see Lincoln just not worrying about it, but I guarantee you he's at least sent, you know, a little, you know, you up text to Justin, you know, yeah. see, see if he's interested. Um, but I, I don't think we're putting the full court press on him like Ohio State is, and that's something they definitely have the advantage on because they're in they're in full transition mode. They're ready to go go forward with Ryan Day as you know head coach. Um, I mean they have a I mean sure they're playing the Rose Bowl. What does that matter? They they they're they're looking forward to next year. They want to go out with a big bang. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't know. That's that, that's interesting about the the field's decision is going to be interesting to see. To say the least, uh, any, take a little trip to the Cruden Corner here. Anything uh, post early signing day that we should be aware of? Yeah, I kind of we dipped our feet in a little bit right now because Justin Fields is the highly the highest sought after recruit right now, even though he's a 2018 guy. Uh, 
between us and Ohio State, my prediction, my crystal ball, and that is Ohio State. I feel like it's going to come out, and I feel like we're really not going to see much um, communication with him and OU. I just I feel like it's that system. That's what's just been weighing on me. That's what makes the most sense. Hazelwood, watch on January 5th, uh, a week after the uh, the Orange Bowl. Turn on to ESPN and watch the Under Armour All-American game. You'll see a lot of really good players. I think Hazelwood will commit to us then. I don't know what quarter he's announcing. That'll come later. Uh, I still expect all the other guys in the past group and corners that I've talked about. I still feel very good. Nothing's changed. A little 2020 news. I guess this is kind of looking far and ahead. But Lincoln's worked really hard in making pipelines in the west and the east of Florida and California. Florida, he worked really hard to make the St. Thomas Aquinas pipeline where he's gotten players last year, Nick Benito, and this year in Jaden Davis. And then Jordan Battle was a really hard um, – he was our, he was probably the number two from Alabama that we are going to get, but we didn't. But we worked really hard in Aquinas. And then there's modern day in the West, where we have Jeremiah Cradell and Darian Green Warren uh, that we have in our 2020 class. And we've created a pipeline there. But we had really high hopes for the best corner in the 2020 class and Elias Ricks, saying maybe if we get all of his cornerbacks and safeties from modern day, he'll kind of like, oh, I can come play with my boys. He just committed to LSU yesterday. Ah. And I know it's really early and scripts change, but I read this little interview with him. He said, USC is my thing, but pretty much they're a dumpster fire, so I can't do USC. Uh, of course. The other one was Ohio State. I was really close with Urban Meyer, and with him leaving, I'm just I don't know much. I'm going to LSU, and this is what scared me. And this one made me realize we don't have a chance to get this is a six foot two, five star corner, once once in a lifetime guy, like really the guy really exact, good. the guy we really want. Yes, like this is like if you had a prototype guy, if you said I want one player in the recruiting class every year as an OU fan. It's not a wide receiver. It's not a quarterback. It's a six foot two, five star best corner in the class, and this is the kid. And a lot of people thought we had a good chance for him because of we're creating this modern day pipeline. But he said this, and what's made me think that we don't really have a chance. I go to LSU because I want to be a first round draft pick, and they produce first round draft picks in the secondary almost every year. LSU does not do that. Yeah, that's. I mean, you have to look. As far back as what Aaron Colvin, Zach Sanchez, in the, terms of and corners, they, and Zach Sanchez was like a fifth rounder. Aaron Colvin, I think he was pretty second or third, probably. He, he yeah, like, but even uh, the even our even our like blue chip for OU guys aren't even that big. Yes, we're not we're not we're not pumping out Patrick Peterson. And Aaron Colvin was a fourth round pick, so we we don't have Patrick Peterson. And look, in this year, he, he sees Greedy Williams is about to go. I think they got their other safety is going to be first rounder too. Uh, I mean, LSU, they didn't do that well this year, but they've got probably three or four guys that are going to go first round on their defense. LSU is a team who, while they don't, you know, win national championships as, as well as teams, as well as like the bigger, bigger guys like, you know, Alabama or, um, geez, I guess just Alabama now (laughs) in this, in this era of college football, all they do is they're, they're an NFL powerhouse and that's something that OSU or OU doesn't really have outside of you know the offensive end of things right now and we're working to kind of get that out there you know you know get get more NFL guys in the league but in order to do that we need to start sending these guys we need to start sending defensive guys to the league and we need to start changing this culture around I think a lot of that a lot of that would change if OU can beat Alabama and potentially win a national championship 
Yeah, that's why this, this that's why this matters because if we get blown out against Alabama, or if our defense looks like a bunch of fools against Alabama, that'll just strengthen the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, a national championship would be good to appeal to the players that really are looking for prestige and for personal accomplishment. Uh, I feel like Lincoln really doesn't kind of like those guys. Uh, they kind of want team players. I kind of get the sense that Jaden Hazelwood's going to be kind of like that. He's going to be kind of a. I get. I get the sense he'll be kind of like Trey Young was in basketball. That's that's how I kind of think. Uh, but other than that, uh, the other thing I was going to say about the the pipeline, uh, another guy, a big time linebacker commit that we um, wanted from the twenty twenty class, Derek Wigo, goes to St. Thomas Aquinas. Our Eastern pipeline just committed to Penn State, and he's a guy we thought we had a good chance with too. So it's still early, but. It's still not the best sign because we were hoping this 2018 class was awesome. 2019, we're taking the next step. This is this new wave that it's going to – the waves are going to be coming in over and over and over. Same wave, big time. And this 2020 deep, you know, is going to be this all-star class. It's going to set us over and we're going to prepare for national championships. We need these big-time guys on defense to commit to us. And – Let's just hope where they can come to Norman and Lincoln can entice him with his bacon, and we can get some. <laughs> we can get some uh, some of those guys to flip. Exactly, it's about building upon each class, and I, as you've as you've kind of seen since Lincoln's come to you, each class has just gotten better and better. And you know, the new wave nineteen was great. Don't get me wrong, loved the new love great class. However, it looks like uh, what's what's a uh, twenty or twenty deep? Is it yeah? Is that the hashtag for it? Yep. It's like 20 deep is going to be pretty good too. And the ability to build upon it. Um, it if OU is not like a top four or five class in this, I would be a little worried. Because mm-hmm. you, you, OU needs to just keep building. And I think, I think national, national success on that, on that format is how you move forward. You've got to, we've got to get a win. We can't be winless in the, national, in the college football playoff um, if we want to really – get the guys we need especially on defense yeah but that's just just a small little tidbit from the crew corner biggest thing is hazelwood watch for it in a week uh but i feel 99.9 percent positive he's coming yeah i'm great well i i don't know i don't really have i don't really have that much more other than you know just you just hold out this is going to be a interesting game uh I'm, I'm pretty nervous james um but in the in the spirit of the bowl season jameson what was your favorite bowl trip you've ever been on favorite that's hard because all of my trips have been very negative in nature i haven't really gone to many wins uh i guess i did go to the auburn sugar bowl but that's not like a favorite trip so I, i'm telling you i really do think my favorite trip was probably the rose bowl last year and I understand we lost, but as a football fan, that was one of the best football games of all time. And I was there to see that. And I've got to really appreciate how cool that was. We got to spend New Year's in LA, an Airbnb bit there. It was it was a really cool experience. And uh, the Rose Bowl is the first time being there. I've been there before, but I, I mean, I was too young to remember. But the first time you're there and you actually can comprehend how beautiful that place is, it just takes your breath away and there's no if we would have won that game this would have been the easiest answer but i still say that it was last year because it it was i'm so lucky that i was even that i was even there yeah i mean the rose bowl is it's the best venue in college football 
Uh, I went when I was a weed lad uh, at Quinn Griffin's last year in the 2003 Rose Bowl, I guess. It was, yeah, the 2003 USC. Rose Bowl in the 2002 season. Um, we were playing Washington State. Okay, so that, and, yeah, that was 2002. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 2002 season, but on January 1st, 2003. That yes. Sense. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Quinn Griffin's last game. And I, I still, I, I, my memory isn't as good of it as it, as I wish it was. You know, I was just like seven, but, um, geez, what, I mean, I mean, just everything from, you know, the mountains, when you walk in to kind of, kind of how you walk, I guess, kind of, I've tried how you kind of like walk um, around the stadium and everything. like around the stadium and kind of up it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird stadium, but it's, it's one of the most beautiful I've ever been, I've ever been in. A lot of people complained I, I had a lot of people who came back from the Rose Bowl and complained. They're like, it's kind of a dump. And I'm like, well, how dare you? You know, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? You know, no, just it's just like the Cotton Bowl. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's not the best, but it's, it's not up to date. It's not like Jerry World, but the, if you're a traditionalist, if you're like a person who like appreciates history and how things are done back in the day, you love places like the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl, but if you're like more of this millennial style where you like everything nice and all this new up and come stuff, and you like Jerry World more, then that's your cup of tea. But but I feel like me and Bobby kind of have the same idea on this. We love this old tradition of stadiums. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, the the stadium we're going to uh, in Miami has yet another name. Uh, this is I've been there four times, and this is I think the yeah. Wait. Yeah, I, this is uh, my fourth time going, and it's the fourth name it's had. Um, it's you know, hard, I, I mean, it, this the the Hard Rock Stadium. I don't know if I like it or not, but it's going to be interesting to see what it's like with a roof on it now. Yeah, that's definitely something I was thinking about. Because last time we were there, they were kind of still, I guess, building it. It was mm. a little weird. Who's the halftime performance again? Florida. Oh yes, the hat. The, the the legendary Orange Bowl halftime is Florida. Um, <laughs> Florida, and outside the uh, cut Orange Bowl is L. King, uh, Rob Schneider's daughter. She sings the song X's and O's. Rob Schneider. <laughs> Rob Schneider. <laughs> Everything was great for Rob Schneider until one day he turned into a stapler. <laughs> wow, this is just you guys outdid yourself, Orange Bowl. You, Hard Rock is it? Is that the new sponsor? Wow. Yeah, the Hard Rock Stadium. I, it is, I would have expected a little bit more when it came down to music than picking Flo Rida and Rob Schneider's daughter. It, yeah, last time last time we were there, it was uh, it was John Fogarty, which is, I mean, that's just as classic classic as you can get. And then in the USC National Championship, it was uh, Jessica Simpson's sister that like lip lip synced on uh, SNL, and everyone was mad about it. Yeah, but. yeah, that's so that's one one for three. Yeah, bad bad track record, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited for Florida. I'm disappointed that you won't be able to see it. I'm sure you are too, James. I, it's, it was a big. I was a big fan of Florida back in the day. You know how much I kept his CD in my car at the bottom. Yes. at the bottom of my console at all times, I, just in case yeah. if I needed to listen to Florida. I, I've I've gotten you two different albums uh, over our friendship. One of them was the Borat soundtrack, and the other one was the uh, was Florida Wild ones. Yes, and it's very, sad that you. Album. It is sad that the Borat soundtrack has been played more in your car. Oh probably. man, oh, that is not a probably. That is a definite. It is. It is absolutely iconic. I, I 
big fan of <laughs> big fan of the Borat soundtrack. But um, yeah, uh, what do you what do you think about this uh, Clemson Notre Dame game? Because going forward, you know, next next podcast we might be talking about national championship. Hopefully, um, would you rather face Clemson or Notre Dame? Uh, definitely Notre Dame, just because I got this weird feeling about Venables. You know, uh, Venables always kind of has our number, and it is why he's one of the best assistant coaches or coordinators in the game. And it's it's just this weird thing, like we're cursed versus him, and I don't know if I'm going to rely too much on superstition, but I'd feel pretty good against Notre Dame. Uh, but I'm not sold on much as the anti-Notre Dame hype as everyone is. It's going to be a good game, Notre Dame versus Clemson. I think Clemson's going to win. I feel very confident that it's going to win, but I feel very confident it's going to be a close one. Trevor Lawrence is a freshman in the playoffs. It's gonna He's going to have some mistakes. Uh, Ian Book's a veteran of a quarterback pretty much, and he's going to be solid for him. The Notre Dame defense is going to be solid. I expect a low-scoring game. Uh, but I expect Clemson to edge it out, and especially uh, with Clemson's drug drug test here, kind of screwing with their defense, that might hurt them as well. Yeah, it's. I think Clemson definitely isn't quite the team that we've been used to seeing them in the Watson era. Um, and this is going to be a good game. I think Notre Dame's definitely underrated. I'm sure they're definitely. I, I'm sure uh, Brian Kelly's got them fired up about you know what happened to them last time they were on this stage. They got just thumped by Alabama. So they're they're a team that's looking for respect. I think they're going to. I don't know if I don't know if they're going to win or not, but I think definitely by the end of this game, we're going to we're going to respect Notre Dame as being kind of back. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it'll be. It's not going to be an entertaining game, but it'll be a close game. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and honestly, honestly, the. <laughs> I'm just I'm just horrified of having to play Clemson again. Oh my god, they canceled the the first responder bowl. Really? Yeah, I just I just saw it. So, so what are they going to do? What are they going to do about confidence? I put thirty something confidence in Du Bois. Just said no contest due to uh, yeah, it got canceled. It's expected for the next four to five hours. Oh, so oh, that is miserable. Oh no, that's I've never seen a bowl game like I don't know oh. canceled. Darn it! All right, I'm so I'm so, I'm pretty bummed out about that. R.I.P. I think I put like 39 into Boise. I understand they're losing, but that's gonna hurt. Well, I I don't know how that's gonna work because you can't remove the confidence, but you can't. Autom- I think it's just not it's just not gonna be rewarded. It's just simple as that. It's gonna be treated as a loss, and people who put a lot of confidence in the bowl should have paid attention to the weather. I well, guess. they've never thought about. There, I've never seen a bowl get canceled. I don't know. Oh my gosh, that's ugh. Well, dang, we have to wait for the quick lane bowl now. That's that's sad. But at least it can't get canceled. Anyways, um, yeah, no, uh, I I would much rather have Notre Dame because anything thinking of, thinking of Clemson play Clemson again after that Orange Bowl just gives me the heebie-jeebies. I know some people, you know, are very revenge minded, but I just don't want anything to do with them after the past two years or my my first. Or, it was just, yeah, no, don't want anything to do with them. All right, well, uh, is there anything you want to want to say before we uh, log off for the last time in this year? Well, actually, no, I don't know about that. Might actually slip one in for New Year's, but anyways, what do you have to what do you have to say? Last call, last call to talk about the Orange Bowl. Uh yeah, no, I think we really covered it all pretty well. Uh, we said a, good, a lot of good keys. I got everything out there. 
just hope for a perfect game. And <laughs> I mean, oh well, if it's not perfect, you can't be mad. Don't be mad about losing this game. That's that's all I got to say. It, it's going to be a feat. I agree. This is an OU team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs in the first place. Going into the season, I didn't think we were going to make it. I kind of thought we'd get kind of edged out if we lost a game. We did lose a game. Just, I mean, if Ohio State doesn't blow it to Purdue, we're not in this thing. Um, so be happy with the season, even if we lose. I know that's such a loser mentality at times. But you know what? This this team shouldn't have been here. They got here anyways. Um so don't 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 start tweeting at the kids if they lose. Like it, so what? This wasn't this wasn't our year to win it probably. But you know what? I'm happy we're in it because if this is where you want to be. If you're if you have a so-called down year and you're still in the college football playoff, that's more than fine would be. But um other than that, uh let's just hope for a win and if not, we have a good basketball team. So. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to get out and watch the basketball game. I think we got a Saturday, a couple Saturday afternoons with uh, for OSU and TCU as our next home games. And we got Kansas on the second. Is it? Yeah, Kansas on the second. If we if we if OU does lose, knock on wood, to Alabama, then I guess I could just use the money I've saved up from the national title and go to Lawrence. That could be fun. <laughs> That'd be a sad trip. Though. I would. I would just. That okay. Now that would be pretty. That would be a pretty bad doubleheader. <laughs> losing to losing to Alabama football and then Kansas basketball back to back. Yeah, let's not do that. That let's, uh-uh. never mind. Hard pass. I, I've think I, I after thinking through it, I decided not to do that. So um, I'm glad. I, I'm glad you said it out loud. It, yeah, the second I started saying it out loud, I'm like, that sounds like the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> all right. Well. That is all we have for today. Uh, thank you for listening throughout the entire season. It's been a just an absolute pleasure, you know, podcasting. Um, we, we'll have more on the off. Well, well, I will. We'll, we'll get to the off season and whatever talk later. But just wanted to thank y'all for listening to all of it. Um, really appreciated it. This has just been a. This has been a really good time. It's always fun, you know, kind of, kind of dropping some knowledge on you. We've had a. Me and Jameson have had a great time. Yeah, it's been a really good time. Uh, thank you to all the listeners, and thanks, Bobby, for putting me on. Yeah, no problem. It's been fun. So, geez, that that sounds sad and final. Like this is—it's not over. We're, this ain't done. Yeah, we're just—it's—it's it's more of like a the new year is upon us, so we're all reflecting. This is not like a, con- a concession of defeat. This is just saying this is just saying goodbye and thank you for the happy new year. Because goodbye if, to if, if OU if OU loses on Saturday, this would be our last regular season one. So we are prepared. Yeah, we're we're thanking you for a good. A good season. Let's let's get this win. Let's get this win. So, for for me and Jameson, have a happy new year. Boomer sooner. Let's win that Orange Bowl. Beat Alabama.
Don't you cry, you cry.